Hello, everyone. Welcome to another live edition of the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. Hope everything goes well. I've been having technical difficulties. I was going to do a pre-recorded one, uh, but I decided just to go ahead and go live today because I was going to be light, uh, late getting it out. Uh, I had to take my daughter to the DMV today to get her driver's license, and then which also required me uh, taking her to Verizon to get her a cell phone too. She kind of needs that. She's going to be driving around. So be praying for my daughter who uh, just drove off with my car by herself and be praying for me financially as my insurance is going to go up again and my cell phone bill and just everything, uh, stress level, uh, the whole nine yards. But anyway, I appreciate you joining me today uh, and uh, excited about today's program, boy, and I've been wanting to get on the subject of eminency for a while. Um, I'm going to probably devote two days to it. And I figure I might as well go ahead and do it right now while everybody's mad at me. Uh, boy, I got every, I mean, people, uh, they don't know what to do with that interview I did with the rabbi. Uh, they thought they were supporting those guys all this time. They thought we're being a blessing to them by support, standing with the state of Israel. Turns out that a lot of Jews are against that whole thing. And it just, it boy, it really revealed a lot of ignorance that is out there. So I had a lot of fun talking to him and just watching people's heads explode. They have no idea what is going on when it comes to these things. We're taking them to the woodshed doctrinally. They are panicking. They are circling the wagons and just uh, clinging on to their, you know, sacred cows for dear life. And um, it's pretty funny to watch. And I mean, literally just no challenge, no challenge. The only thing I am up against is a multitude, but I'm not scared of them because this multitude is carrying nothing. They, they've got nothing they have, and I've got the scriptures. And so we are going to continue just chipping away at their bad dispensational nonsense doctrine and we're going to have fun watching people's head explode. And so today we're going to talk about a subject that is also going to make people mad. And that is the subject of imminency. Imminency is another sacred cow or the imminent rapture. And I'm calling it that on purpose, the imminent rapture. Isn't it interesting how hard people will fight for words, terms, that you can't find in the scriptures. Now, I am not against extra biblical words. I am not against theological terms, positions. There are some that I embrace, some that I use loosely. But at the end of the day, one of the things that these terms do is they identify you with people. They identify you with a group. And we have all been influenced by groups, by people, by movements, by, and uh, we have, many of us have accepted certain doctrines, theologies, and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, most of us are honest enough to admit when we, uh, you know, where we got those things from. And the, the reality is people are out there who are wrong saying that they are all these titles because they read their Bible. That's impossible because those titles are not in the Bible. How can we have so many people all embracing a title and a term that you can't find in the scriptures? Why is that? It's because you've been influenced by a group. That's why. And that doesn't even mean you're wrong. But just don't say you came to that from reading, from reading your Bible. And so the thing is, when I hear you say, I came to this conclusion, I accepted this term, this label, because I read my Bible, and then you can't define that term, then I question that, you know, you, that you, uh, even more that you came to that conclusion from reading your Bible, or if your use of the scriptures is very faulty, then I all, and you know, and you have accepted a mass error that many people have, I also question what you're saying. In fact, I just don't believe you. Okay. And so again, I use certain terms, but I'll admit I, you know, you don't get the term post-tribulational from reading your Bible. 
I mean, the only place where the events we believe are in the future use the term tribulation like that or the great tribulation is in, is in Matthew chapter 24. And so obviously, and I've, you know, and you, I'm not going to go over my thoughts on Matthew 24, but at the same time, you know, it, that's not, uh, I'm not using those terms very biblically when I use that term. Now, most people understand what I mean, but I'm careful about that term because when you say post-tribulational around dispensationalists, they think post-seven years. They think post-Armageddon, you know, or post, if we're going to get biblical, post-battle the great day of God Almighty. So um, that's what they think. Now, if I am around other groups, I can say that and they know exactly what I mean. Replacement theology is another term that I'm careful and hesitant to use because it means different things to different people. And so when I'm around certain groups who use that term and I know exactly how they use the term, then I might use it because, you know, I know what thought that's going to put in their head. But when I'm around a dispensational crowd and I use that term, it's going to give them a lot of wrong ideas. So I might be hesitant to use that. And I can actually use biblical terms. I can actually, and I can define the terms. And so I do that often. I had someone call me recently. And this is your, your post-trib. It's like, how, how can you put post-trib? And I said, and I told him, I said, well, define tribulation for me. You know, I, I said, when you say tribulation, do you mean seven-year tribulation like Larkin teaches? You know, he's like, well, yes. Okay. I said, all right, well, okay. That's not what I believe. I said, let me define tribulation for you. And I took him to Matthew 24. And I said, notice how after the tribulation of those days, the sun is dark and the moon is turned to blood. I said, I define tribulation as the events up to the sun being darkened and moon turned to blood, which is the sixth seal in revelation. That's how, so I can define it and I can also display it in the scripture. Where pre-tribbers can't do that, you know, and they avoid talking about the sun being dark and the moon turned to blood because Clarence Larkin doesn't talk about it. And his timeline that they all use when it gets to the sixth seal just says physical changes, which is weird. And we'll see why as we go through some of these things. And so uh, I just I say all this to just say that if you are dispensational, if you are a pre-tribber, you are a copycat. You did not get that from studying your Bible. If you believe that the rapture could happen at any moment and you say imminent, you have that in your doctrinal statement, you are a copycat. My doc, The doctrinal statement our church used to say imminent. You know why? Because we literally copied and pasted the um, another doctrinal statement that happened to say, pre-tribulation and imminent. And we remove those things uh, later from our doctrinal statement. So um, it's okay to copy somebody as long as they're right. But when you copy somebody, admit you copied somebody. Don't tell us you read your Bible and then decided to write, you know, these things out this exact way. It's uh, very, it's very misleading. So I'm going to try to pay attention to the live chat. But if you do, if you have any uh, imminency verses that you'd like to post that people use. Let me know. Uh, Carrie said our pastor claimed imminency last night and went straight to Second Thessalonians two. Uh, yeah, and I'll, I'm going to talk about Second Thessalonians two. But I've literally heard two different preachers use Second Thessalonians two to prove that the day of Christ is at hand, which is which is funny. And so uh, I'm going to do two episodes. But here here's what I want to do though to uh, get people's attention and also to get you to watch the next program. There is a system of eschatology that teaches imminency that is not completely stupid. I don't agree with it, but at least these people don't sound like or look like uh, as confused as a termite in a yo-yo. Okay? Pre so what I'm going to be debunking today is a pre-tribulational dispensational teaching of imminency. It is a laughable doctrine and makes no sense. I do believe there are people out there who believe that Jesus could come at any moment and their system of theology, while I disagree, while there is much that they would have to convince me of that I'm far from convinced of, 
at least what they say, there's a consistency to it and it makes sense. And I'm going to let you all wonder what that is. And so for those of you who just can't let go of that, that's one of the hardest things for people to let go of. Just understand uh, there, there is a way, but you will have to dump dispensationalism. You will have to even dump pre-tribulationalism. So, uh, and, and you're definitely going to have to dump your, uh, your obsession with the Jews for sure. So anyway, let's go ahead and start going through some things about eminency because I do want to say this too, that there are some, uh, there, there's more and more preachers popping up that are pre-tribulational who are actually informed on the matter, who they have actually heard what the other side has to say. They understand it. They are capable of not misrepresenting it. Now, these people are rare. Okay? These, these people are rare. Um, even guys like, uh, you know, like Dennis Coral, who wrote uh, Proof of the Pre-Tribulation Rapture. Um, you know, he, you could tell when you read this book, it's like, hey, this guy's actually familiar with the other side. Most pre-tribbers out there railing against the post-tribbers have no idea what they're talking about. And the closet post-tribbers in their audience are always shaking their head and face-palming and all that kind of stuff. And you guys are embarrassing yourself. I would just say nothing. If, if you don't, if you're not familiar with what people like me teach, you are better off saying nothing about it than you are trying to debunk it until you actually understand it. And so, uh, you know, guys like Dennis Coral, I still disagree with it. I still disagree with his conclusions, but I was glad when I saw it's like, hey, he doesn't have to misrepresent the other side. That, that's good. There's few others out there. But they are they are rare. Um, and, and I think, cause I do, I believe it's possible to be pre-tribulational and be honest and sincere, but a lot of these people aren't, they're just stubborn and scared. And that's a lot of the crowd that I see on Twitter that have no idea what they're talking about. But, um, the, so the ones who are informed, they actually know better than to use a lot of scriptures that many of you are using to prove eminency. And, and this is, uh, this is where it gets funny, okay? And uh, and most of you, so probably don't know, you have closet post or post tribbers in your church, and they are on the inside laughing at you when you try to preach on imminency because they're familiar with all these things and the nonsense. But let's go ahead and look at some scriptures that people use to prop up the doctrine of an imminent rapture, and they will say uh, they'll go to Matthew twenty four. 36. The rapture is imminent because nobody knows the day or the hour, meaning it could happen at any time. Matthew 24, 36. No man knows the day or the hour. No, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. So they will use that. The fact that no one knows, therefore it is imminent. That does not prove that it is imminent. Okay. And again, this is why it's funny when people use that because they'll say that's proof. The rapture could happen at any moment, but then later they will say, well, Matthew 24 is not the rapture. So you make yourself look really stupid when you say Matthew 24 is not the rapture, but then you use Matthew 24 to prove the rapture could happen at any moment. They will say it'll be like in the days of Noah, and they'll just define that however they want and not like Jesus did. But, you know, it says, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving a marriage till the day that Noah entered the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So be like in the days of Noah, nobody saw it coming. Therefore, it's imminent. Uh, no, not really. And they'll say, you know, because if the tribulation was going on, then we're going to know it's getting close. Why? Um, did you know that whenever uh, the flood came, the Bible says the world was filled with violence in those days. People just got used to the, all the, the chaos. Uh, but uh, so that doesn't work. And still, we're in Matthew 24. And then they'll say, too that we're told to watch. Watch, therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. And like I said, in this, in this book here, they go and they show that there are many uh, calls to watch and be ready, but they don't give the references. You know why? Because these guys also teach Matthew 24 is not the rapture. But that's where we're told to watch. That's what we're told to be ready for. So you got to take your pick. So 
one of the reasons the pre dispensational pre-tribulation theology is so stupid is because they try to teach it while at the same time teaching imminency, and it just doesn't work because they'll say Matthew 24 is not the rapture because everyone knows now. Okay, now let's go ahead and give some credit to where credit is due. The documentary after the tribulation threw it in your face that Matthew 24 clearly shows the rapture coming after the tribulation of those days. And then, and so now everyone is jumping on this bandwagon of Matthew 24 not being the rapture, except when they're teaching imminency. So again, the informed people aren't doing that as much. The consistent people aren't doing that as much. I can't remember if, I think he might have done it a little bit in this book. I can't remember. Uh, I, I'm not going to go through all of it, but I don't think he did, but maybe he did. I, I, I could be wrong. I don't think I don't think he did though in this book. But understand, you take out Matthew 24, you lose a lot of your eminency passages. That's not the only place people are going. And again, if you're an informed pre-tribber and you actually know what people like me believe, you've already learned not to do this. But you've got to admit you've probably done it before. You have to admit you have probably used uh, these passages to prove that the rapture could happen at any moment. And that is First uh, Thessalonians 5:1. It says, but of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. And they'll tell you, Jesus is coming back as a thief in the night, therefore imminent. But wait a minute. The day of the Lord is going to come as a thief in the night. And pre-trivers teach that he's going to come as a thief in the night on you. No, whenever the thief in the night thing is mentioned or coming as a thief, that is always a reference to those who are not ready. And let me just show you, too, because I, I, this is important that we get a hold of this whole passage in order to understand something coming a little bit later. For he says, For yourselves know perfectly the day the Lord shall come to the thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as, a, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Okay, so notice it's them that he's going to come as a thief on. You are not in darkness. What does that mean? We understand what's going on. We have knowledge of what's coming. So he's not going to come on us as a thief if we're watching, if we're ready. And so we're going to we're going to see this concept again later in really like the last imminency passage I'm seeing people cling to. There, there's like one left that they're just clinging to for dear life and they've got nothing, okay? It's, it is my goal to come on and step on their fingers uh, in this video and let them fall from uh, their clinging to imminency. So, uh, Acts, but so yeah, so when you say Jesus is coming back as a thief of the night, like many songs do, we're gonna reference some songs in a little while, but... A lot of songs talk about him coming as a thief in the night, talking about the rapture, but it's no, it's the day of the Lord, which I believe is the rapture, but pre-tribbers don't, okay? Dennis Coral does not. You know, Tim LaHaye does not. They don't believe that that's a rapture. I do, okay? But but they don't. But here's the problem. You say the rapture is going to come as a thief in the night, but the Bible says the day of the Lord is going to come as a thief in the night. And here's the thing. Acts 2.20. This is why many informed people have quit using this thief in the night argument. And it's because Acts 2.20 says the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. So, folks, this is spelled out. Okay, This isn't me just piecing random things together. No, the sun is turned to darkness and moon to blood before the day of the Lord. That has to happen before the day of the Lord where Christ comes as a thief in the night. Matthew 24, 29 says immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. So the sun darkened and moon turned to blood comes after the tribulation and the day of the Lord comes after the sun is darkened and moon is turned to blood. So when Christ comes as a thief in the night, it's going to be after the tribulation. That, that, that's not debatable. Now, what we can debate on is whether or not the day of the Lord is the rapture. 
But you know what else is not debatable? That the day of the Lord is what's coming as a thief in the night. So if you don't believe that the day of the Lord is the rapture, then you can't say Jesus is coming as a thief in the night. You can't say that. You're, you, you just lost that. You lost your thief in the night argument. You need to throw out those songs that teach he's coming as a thief in the night. So said, well, Revelation 3. Revelation 3, 3 says, Remember, therefore, once thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent, if therefore thou wilt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. So if, he's, if Jesus said, if you don't watch, I'll come on you as a thief, wouldn't that mean if you do watch, he will not come on you as a thief? And if you will not know what hour he comes, when he comes as a thief, does this mean we will know what hour he comes if we watch? Doesn't that mess with your no man know the day or the hour? You got you got to make a decision. Is that about no man knows the day or the hour about the rapture or not? You you need to figure you need to figure that out. You have no consistency here. You lose. No matter what way you slice it, you you lose it with when it comes to all this. And again, what he's talking about in Revelation 3 3 was something probably it was something very specific for that church. It's, and you just immediately assume it's talking about the rapture, even though he's given prophecies to set, you know, one, you know, prophecies to each of the seven different churches. So that doesn't work. So will revelation 16, 15, behold, I come as a thief. I agree. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And so right there, a call to watch. So for you, is that the rapture? Is that the rapture? Cause uh, it's in Revelation 16 right there. That's going to create some problems for you. But again, um, a, a call to watch does not imply imminency like these guys act like. Okay, and they'll say the calls to look, to watch, to be ready. Those are calls to imminency. Well, let's, let's check. Okay, let's go to some of these passages. Uh, people use Titus 2.13 looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And they'll, and it's funny, whenever you start telling them the rapture's not doing you're taking away my blessed hope. I've literally heard preachers say, you're taking away my blessed hope because their blessed hope is imminency. It's like, well, wait a minute. Just because it's not imminent doesn't mean Jesus isn't coming back. Just because it's not imminent doesn't mean that one of these days he's going to return and he's going to change your vile body into one like his glorious body. There's no talk of imminency in there. And it's just telling us to look for that blessed hope, which I believe is the rapture. But it also says, okay, so if looking for means imminent, then that would also mean the glorious appearing is imminent. Now, these guys claim that those are two different events, which is stupid. Many I heard a preacher, a preacher this week teach that the glorious appearing is is a different event. That is dumb. I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm going to completely, completely annihilate that argument. The blessed hope and the glorious appearing are one in the same. There is no doubt about that. There's no doubt about it. People say it all the time, but it is a dumb, desperate argument for people who will not let go of being pre-trib. But looking for does not imply imminency. Because 2 Peter 3.10 says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, and the witch of heaven shall pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. And most of people would, would agree in the preacher world that this is post seven years. This is at the end of Daniel's 70th week, as they would say it. But it says, Seeing then that uh, all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for. So he's talking about them in their personal life. And he said, looking for. And hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. So do you believe the destruction of the world by fire is imminent? Because Peter just told them to look for it. What are you going to do about that? Looking for does not imply imminency. If I'm driving to Nebraska, I'm looking for Iowa because I'm, all, I'm just looking for the signs that I'm getting closer. And for as long as I'm in Illinois, I know I'm not going to see Nebraska. I cannot see Nebraska when I'm still in Illinois. I have to get through Iowa first. I'm still, I'm not, I was not my destination. I was not my focal point. Nebraska is. But the Bible does in fact teach there are things 
that happened before the return of Christ. And yet you guys who pretend that you came to your conclusions from studying the Bible continue to say the next event on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture. You don't find that phrase anywhere in the Bible. And here's what I want everybody to do. Hey, everybody, everybody do this. Anytime you hear someone say the next event on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask them privately. Don't confront them like while they're preaching or something. If you know from studying and reading your Bible that the next event on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture, then what was the last event on God's prophetic calendar? And you know what? You're going to get a different answer every time. You're going to get, you know what? Because they don't know. You know what? Because that stupid line that everyone's echoing is one that they heard from a professor and he didn't tell them what the last one was. Was it 1948? Was it 70 AD? Was it the resurrection? Because these guys teach too that Paul taught eminency. Well, if Paul taught eminency, then that really confuses what the last event was. And then too, you want, they're all out there. Every single thing that happens in Israel, that's a fulfillment of prophecy. Well, then how was the rapture imminent then? If, if this latest war in Israel is a fulfillment of prophecy, then the rapture wasn't imminent until October 7th. I just saw Paul Chapel, all excited. Things are lining up for Gog and Magog. That's after the millennium. What in the world? And if this is, if this is Gog and Magog lining up according to Bible prophecy, then that had to happen before the rapture could come. You, the, the imminency argument is was one of the dumbest arguments, again, if you're pre-tribulational and dispensational. What you are teaching conflicts so much. It, it makes no coherent sense, and the people in your audiences are not stupid. Now, you do have some you know loyal Kool-Aid drinkers in every church that are going to go along with what you say, but thinkers, people who study their Bible, they know. So... Uh, we don't looking for does not imply imminency. Watching does not imply imminency. Jesus gave us things to watch for. We're going to see that here in just a little bit because another phrase that people use, and I think they continue to use this because it's in a lot of songs, and that is that well, his coming is at hand. That's that's what they'll say. His coming is at hand. I mean, it's in lines of songs. A song that I, I used to sing that I loved was song "Oh, be glad." So it'll be glad, lift your voice and sing praises to the lamb, trim your lamps. That sounds prophetic and rejoice for his coming is at hand. And, uh, and then it goes on. Let us watch. Let us pray for it. Maybe today that our bridegroom shall appear. Matthew 25. So now it's about the rapture again, huh? Ah, yeah, it's, it's so funny how there's no consistency in, in, in our songs and the pre-trib stuff. No consistency at all, but is the rapture at hand. And people say it is. Uh, Carrie mentioned her pastor used 2 Thessalonians 2 because it says at hand. The phrase is there, at hand. But what does it actually say? 2 Thessalonians 2, 1, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, rapture for sure, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us is that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, the day of Christ, shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. And this is a funny thing, too. Pre-tribbers are always like, it's the falling away. Okay, well, if this is the falling away, then it had to happen before the rapture could come. So it wasn't imminent until this latest falling away. Again, just you've got to discipline yourself. Okay, Baptist, why can't you at least be disciplined in your teaching and stop acting like everything is a fulfillment of prophecy while you're preaching imminency. Now, if you're, if you don't believe in imminency, then you can do that. You can't have both of these things. You cannot pretend the Bible teaches an imminent rapture while all these prophecies are being fulfilled. That is dishonest. And some pre-tribbers, there are pre-tribbers out there that will admit that and aren't doing this nonsense. But most of you are, and you cannot help yourself, especially when Israel's in the news. You just can't help yourself. You have no discipline. Your parrots. I can't tell anymore if I'm talking to Baptists or Republicans when I'm arguing with them. 
It, it, and I'm not trying to be mean. I'm the nice guy there is, but this is really dumb stuff. And so, uh, so yeah, so right there, it's literally showing that the day of Christ is not at hand. Now, again, informed pre-tribbers who are familiar with the things that we are saying, they have had to admit that, yes, the day of Christ is not at hand. Certain things have to happen first. So some are teaching that the day of Christ is also not the rapture. I think that's easy to debunk, and I'm not going to take time to do that, but you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to say the day of Christ, day of the Lord, all those things, they are not at hand. You have to do that. I believe they are the rapture, but it doesn't create a problem or an inconsistency because I don't believe in imminency. So uh, Luke 21, there's got to be some place that says it's at hand. Well, Luke 21, 25 and there should be sign in the suns and the moon and in the stars. That's that sixth seal. Upon the earth, distress of nation with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, like in Revelation 6, crying to the mountains and rocks fallen us, and looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Then, and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. And when these things shall begin to come to pass, when these things... He mentioned all these things when they begin to come to pass. Then lift, look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. That's how we know when. And it says, and when he spake them a parable, behold the fig tree and all the trees. And when they now shoot forth, ye see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise, when ye see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. So yes, that phrase is in the Bible, but it's not at hand until after you see all these things. And the sixth seal is referenced in there. Then look for the appearing. Now, again, many of you are saying that the glory, I, th and I think Brother Coral said in his book, I think he says it. I could be wrong. I don't want to accuse him of, uh, of him saying something stupid if he didn't say it, but they're saying the glorious appearing and the blessed hope are two different events. Do you really want to try to tell me that the glorious appearing is not the rapture? Are you sure about that? Are you positive? Are you, are you going to stand here right now and tell me, I studied my Bible and I figured out that the glorious appearing is another event. I did not polyparry it from someone else. Uh, okay. Looking for that blessed hope in the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, 4. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Is that not the glorious appearing? Are you going to tell me that when Christ appears and we appear with him in glory, that's not the glorious appearing? I know you're not going to tell me that's not the rapture. Um, 1 Peter 5, 4. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. That sounds like when he appears... We're going to stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ. Are you going to tell me when the chief shepherd appears, that's not the glorious appearing? First John 3, 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. When he appears, we're going to be like him. Are you going to tell me? That's not the glorious appearing. Are you going to tell me that's not what we're seeing in Matthew 24, 30? And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Well, that's a glorious appearing. But not those other places. But you have to do that with your theology. You have to do that if you're going to be loyal to your Bible colleges and your pre-trib clubs. But folks, the scripture makes it very clear. When Christ appears, we see him and we are like him. We are changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. The rapture does not happen in a twinkling of an eye. He's got a whole routine he doesn't hear that I hear preachers all over do about General Electric timing the speeds of all these different things and like the twinkling of an eye. It's like the fastest thing in the world. It's just like that. And that's how fast the rapture is going to be. No. We will be changed in a twinkling of an eye. It doesn't say the coming of Christ is going to happen in a twinkling of an eye. 
No, we're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. We're going to be changed when we see him. When Christ comes, he is going to come in like manner as they saw him go into heaven. He's going to come. We're going to see him. We're going to be changed immediately. That's what happens in the twinkling of an eye. And we're going to be like him. But it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But when he shall appear, that's when we're going to be like him. So the glorious appearing is the blessed hope. It's the same event. You will never win that argument. You will never win the argument. So you still have almost nothing showing the raptures at hand. How about Revelation 1.3? Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written for the time is at hand. Oh, right there it is right there. The time is at hand. Well, hold on. Time out. Let's not get too excited. I know you did an e-sword search for a hand and you found something and it's in Revelation. Therefore, it's about the rapture. Wait a minute. They, the Revel, book of Revelation talks about a lot more than just the rapture. Is it talking about the rapture or the events of Revelation is at hand? Or is it even just talking about the things that were specifically geared towards the seven churches that John is writing to? But even if it's the events of Revelation understand you are just assuming when you read that that the rapture is the first event that's that's based on that assumption you have not proven that it is the first event but i believe he's referring to just the events the prophecies of, of revelation they are at hand meaning the things are ready that the thing things are in place this chain of events can begin go, can begin going at any time and I do. I mean, that's my personal belief. I believe Jesus can start breaking the seals at any time. I honestly have no idea what he's waiting for. You believe he could come at any time. I believe he can start breaking the seals at any time. Why? Because the time is at hand, the time of the events of Revelation. But we don't see the rapture until Revelation 7. Now, you insist it's in chapter 4, which is a hilarious interpretation that I promise you didn't get just from reading your Bible. You got that from these. Every book says that. Bible colleges, but uh, one guy getting caught up in the spirit after hearing a voice that was like a trumpet is not the same as a bodily resurrection, a bodily catching away, uh, you know, not just in the spirit, no, phys a physical catching away. It's a completely different thing, completely different. But Revelation 22.10, and he said unto me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. And again, Everybody just reads that, and then they assume the rapture is the first event, but they can't do anything to prove it. You can't do anything to prove it. It's easy to prove otherwise. And uh, unfortunately, though, uh, people are stubborn, so they will continue hanging on to that one. Uh, and it works if you're talking to an audience who believes Revelation 4.1 is the rapture, which in reality is laughable. And then the last one that some people are hanging on to for dear life is Romans 13, 11, says, and that knowing that is, and knowing the time that it is now high time to wake out of our sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Okay, what day? Is that the day of the Lord that's at hand? What, what's, what, day, what day is he talking about that's at hand? Is that the rapture that he's talking about that's at hand? Well, yeah, because now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. You know, and our salvation there, that's a reference to uh, the, a reference to the rapture. It's, therefore, it's the day of the rapture that is at hand. Well, let's keep reading. So the day is at hand. So because the day is at hand, let us therefore cast off the work of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. This is the same thing he was teaching in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We are not in darkness. We are in light. We can see what's going on. We know the truth. Therefore, we need to live honestly. We need to walk honestly as in the day as if everyone can see what we're doing. This is all about just how we're supposed to live our lives. In this day that it's referring to, it's not referring to a specific prophetic day. No, it's like the daytime. Night's over. That's past. It's daytime now. Let's start walking like we are in the light, seeing that we are in the light. This is not a reference to the rapture being 
imminent. Hello. I mean, you want to talk about eisegesis. That's some serious eisegesis there. So again, there, there is nothing. Yet songs, songs will continue to say these things. And so if we just use some reasoning here, you know, we can see, you know, if we are commanded to watch, wouldn't that imply there are some things to watch for? Like what Jesus said, when you see all these things, that's what the, that's what the budding of the fig tree is. A, the budding of the fig tree is a clear sign that summer is nigh. And all of those signs that he referred to in Luke chapter 21 were signs that he is about to return. That's what the budding of the fig tree is. Not Israel becoming a nation in 1948. Hello. That's just absolutely ridiculous. But uh, so understand, we can look for Jesus while looking for things that come before. 2 Peter 1.13. Yet, uh, um, well, I'm getting ahead of myself there, but it is. It is very possible to look for Jesus while looking for things that come before him. And so go ahead and if you have your Bibles, go to 2 Peter 1.13. I want to show you something. Because I think this is, uh, it's very important that we understand this. And you know what? I don't have my Bible app open. Let me get it open because I want to show you a couple things here. Because people will tell you that Paul and, you know, and the apostles, they believed in an imminent rapture. Because again, while they can't tell you what the last event on God's prophetic calendar was, they will insist on telling you that Peter and Paul and all of them believed in an imminent rapture. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. They didn't. I, I can prove to you for sure. Now, just because they believed it could come in their lifetime, did not believe they meant believed it was imminent. I don't believe in imminency, but I believe Jesus could come back in my lifetime. That that's another bad argument. That no, you can believe that Christ could come in your lifetime without believing in imminency. Paul taught certain things were going to come first, and so Pete. But I know for sure, Peter. Not only did he not believe in imminency. He did not believe it could come in his lifetime. He said, well, where do you get that from? Well, remember what Jesus said to him in John 21, 18? Verily, verily, I say to thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldst. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldst not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God, and when he had spoken this, he said, saith unto them, follow me. So notice right there, Jesus prophesied about Peter's death. And John understood that. And Peter also understood that, understood that very thing. Therefore, they know that Jesus can't return until after Peter's gone. Also, Jesus prophesied the destruction of the temple. Therefore, they know Jesus can't come back before the temple's destroyed. And did you know that pretty much all of our scriptures were written before 70 AD, with probably the exception of some of John's writings in the book of Revelation? So you can, there's no way you can pull eminency from those verses because there were certain prophecies that had to be fulfilled that Jesus said were going to happen. So, but yet people continue to say that even though Peter knew he would die before that came. And therefore, the other apostles knew Jesus couldn't come back as long as Peter's still walking around. And 2 Peter 1.13 says, Yea, I think it me as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Jesus showed Peter he was going to die. And Peter understood that's shortly going to happen, just like Jesus showed me. So Peter didn't believe in imminency, folks. You know why? Because if something has to happen before Christ can return, then it can't be imminent until those things happened. And there are very obvious things that the Bible spells out had were going to happen before Jesus Christ returned. And so, again, you prophecy preachers out there acting like every time, you know, Benjamin Netanyahu belches, it's a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Just understand, if you want to do that, that's fine, but then you can't teach imminency. You cannot keep saying these things are a fulfillment of prophecy while saying the Bible teaches the rapture is imminent. You cannot do that. That is inconsistent, that is dishonest, and you're just flat out wrong. 
Okay? And and you're making yourself look bad when you do that. If you, if the rapture is imminent, then that means there's literally no prophecies left to be fulfilled. And pe- but people pre-tribbers say both. One day no prophecies need to be fulfilled. Next day Israel's in the news. This is a fulfillment of prophecy. Let me tell you your people are seeing this and you know what? I'm getting tired of defending you. Because, you know, I, I like a lot of pre-tribbers, but you're making it difficult because the preaching's getting so dumb. And it's been off the charts dumb in these last couple months. Or, well, not, not even a month. Just since October 7th. It hasn't even been a month yet. And the amount of stupidity that some of you are spewing forth is unbelievable. But yet, again, imminency is a beloved doctrine. I love the thought of Jesus Christ returning. You know why? Because I'm following the command to be ready. And there are people out there saying that a post-trib, it teaches Christians not to be ready. That is a bunch of garbage. You know who uses that reasoning? Work salvationists who teach that the doctrine of eternal security encourages people to sin. Now, every fundamental Baptist I know believes in eternal security. And we know that does not encourage us to sin. And believing that, you know, believing in a post-tribulation rapture does not encourage people to sin. No, it encourages people to be ready spiritually because we understand we may have to face some very difficult and dark days. It causes us to strengthen ourselves. And it, and I'm telling you, being, being pre-wrath or post-trib, whatever you want to call it, that has only it fired me up to be more zealous for God more obedient, to have a closer walk with him because I understand that I've been lied to with this idea that life's going to be a walk in the park pretty much until, you know, and the real problems aren't going to come until after we're gone. No, we very may well be here for the worst problems in history. And I want to be found faithful. I want to be ready. So you think I'm going to start getting myself ready spiritually when things get ugly? I'm going to do it now. If you can't do it while it's easy, you're not going to do it while it's difficult. And being post-tribulational does not cause you to not be ready. I think it enables you to be ready. Let me, because it's a lot of times it's the pre-tribbers. It's like they act like, you know what, maybe I, you know, even though their life is a wreck, their family's a wreck, they're just holding on to hope that maybe the Lord will just snatch us out of here before they have to deal with the consequences of their horrible lives that they're living. I think the pre-tribulation doctrine does that. If we're going to just throw around weird accusations like that, but I do want to I, I do want to close with this, okay? Because I when you know dropping the imminency thing was very difficult for me. I was seeing all these facts in the scriptures about the sun being turned to darkness, moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes. You know, I saw all that, but it was just like there was a part of me. It's like no, his coming is at hand. He's you know he's going to come as a thief of the night. But wait a minute, that's the day of the Lord's at the thief of the night. And I finally realized one day, you know where I'm getting a lot of this? It's songs. Songs. And you know, interestingly enough, and and if you can find an exception, I'm sure there's probably some out there, but I, I started doing a search because I've been convinced for years that this pre-tribulational dispensational nonsense and foolishness became big, popularized, and cemented into the minds of people in the 70s. I've been showing that. Uh, for weeks on this podcast with stuff from the late great planet earth, the thief of the night movie, the seventies is what hyped up all this foolishness. Cause everybody went nuts over Israel becoming a nation in 1948 and understand Israel becoming a nation in 1948. The prophecy world did not respond in a big way to that. It was years later when some prophecy guys were like, Hey, this was a big deal. And then they're like, Oh yeah, it was a big deal. And then everybody went nuts, but that was in the seventies. Because the late great planet Earth that came out in 1970. But you know, a lot of the songs that teach bad doctrine on the rapture and imminency and all that came from the 70s or after. I could only find really one song that I thought had an imminent message to it about the rapture from before 1970. And it's, um, is this the crowning day in 1910? I can't even remember what the words are. I don't have them in front of me, but there's a line in there that makes like, I think it starts out like this could be the day. I think that's like the first line of the song. So it appears the writer of is this a crowning day believed in imminency. That's, that's very possible. Um, you know, but uh, the, a lot of the songs we sing, 
How about it could happen in a moment? Like, I am listening every moment for the mighty trumpet sound. That song is very imminent. Uh, where it, uh, it, but that song was written 1975, right in the midst of the hype of imminency. The King is Coming by Bill Gaither. And that, that song has a real weird message to it. it. It's hard. His eschatology is hard to figure out when you read that. But that song was written in 1970. Um, Maybe Today. That's a song that's in our hymn book. Maybe Today Our Lord Will Come For Me. That's That was 1976 by Frank Garlock. I love Frank Garlock, but I think he got caught up in the 70s uh, hype. The song He's Coming Soon. Our family used to sing that song all the time. And the last line, you know, keep looking up. He may come tonight. That was written in 1983. Uh, another song I've always liked is a song called Just In Case The Rapture. Um, and the, that song, I, you know, I won't go through all the words of it, but it is very imminent. Very imminent. That was written in 1985. I did. I just started doing, I started thinking about all these songs that were in my head that talked about imminency. And I started looking them all up and they were all written in, in the 70s or after. Uh, I'm looking for Jesus to come. I can't figure out the exact year, but just the style of the song and everything. There's no way that song was written before the 70s. But um, one of the lines in there says, he'll come like a thief in the night. It's like, I'm looking for Jesus to come any night or any day. I'm looking for him to come and take his bride away. If he don't come tonight, I'm looking for him at daylight. I'm looking for Jesus to come any day. And it says, uh, Jesus said in his word that no man knows the hour when he would come back to earth again. But when it'll come, I just can't say I believe he's on his way. I'm looking for Jesus to come any day. And then there's people say they believe that Jesus will come, but you can't tell by the way they live their lives. Jesus said to watch and pray for I will come any day and I will come like a thief in the night. So we got like a Matthew 24 reference in there. We got a thief in the night. That's the day of the Lord. Again, because again, the boy the doctrine in the seventies was bad and Baptists, a lot of Baptists came out of the Southern Baptist movement because things were so bad in the 70s and, and 80s, but they brought a lot of foolish doctrine with them, and they brought this you know weird evangelical eschatology, obsession with Israel, all that stuff. Uh, this is not like what Baptists believed, you know, in their earlier days, in like the earlier 1900s, 1800s. Uh, this was stuff they picked up from the evangelicals, and I think from the Southern Baptists in the 70s and stuff. Another song, I like this song. I actually think this song is biblical uh, for the most part, but the song, Are You Ready? Are You Ready? Uh, that was written in 2000. Are You Ready for the Trumpet? And there's a line in there that says, The Bible speaks of two men who are standing in the field, or one is taken as one is left behind. Hey, that one's actually biblical. Well, I listened to a Baptist Bible college sing that song. They changed the words, trying to be consistent. They changed the words of that song. And it just, they changed that line to the Bible speaks so clearly that the trump of God will sound and the dead in Christ will then be called away. Friend, if you're not ready, I forgot. Uh, I forgot all the lines, but they completely changed. They totally rewrote that verse because it did. It, it was tied to Matthew 24 and they're like, oh wait, we can't keep using Matthew 24 as reference to the rapture. So Again, I challenge you to find songs that teach a clear imminency. There's songs like What If It Were Today, which is like the theme song for my program. That's not teaching imminency. That's a great thought. I love to think about that. I love to sing that song. In fact, uh, in our hymn book that we have, they actually updated the words to the song because the original words, um, the song ends, Jesus will come someday. Uh, but then, like, I think in our hymn book, I might be getting the songs mixed up, but it said Jesus, it ends, Jesus may come today. And that's not the original words. The original words did not say Jesus may come today. It just said, what if it were today? So, um, you know, it's uh, it, it's interesting. And I challenge you to find songs before the 70s. But these these lines are stuck in people's heads. And one of the best ways to get things in people's heads is through songs, because we all tend to remember songs. And people are. They're talking about Thief of the Night at hand. It's because of these songs, like Obi Glad. And Obi Glad was written in the 2000s, too, I believe, where it says his coming is at hand. So, either way, you do not have, if you, 
and I'm 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 not trying to just you know drop a mic prematurely or anything, but folks, I've listened to the arguments. I know what pre-tribbers teach in the subject. If you are pre-tribulational and dispensational in your theology, there is absolutely no way to preach imminency without looking stupid. There is a way to teach imminency without dispensationalism, without being pre-tribulational. Now, what is that way? That's not completely stupid, not completely inconsistent. For those of you who just cannot let go of that doctrine, I'm going to leave you hanging until tomorrow. Uh, hopefully tomorrow. If I can, I'm, I'm, I've been having technical difficulties. My video is still choppy. I don't know why it's doing that. But I do want to uh, talk about a system of eschatology that has consistency to it, where the people aren't constantly contradicting themselves there but in that system there's just certain things they're not proving to me and so i want to talk about that and um you know and let them i'm fine i can handle a challenge if i'm wrong i'm more than willing to correct myself i would love i would absolutely love to to teach imminency but i'm not going to do it unless it can be proven from the scriptures and the pre-tribbers aren't doing it for sure I, I refuse to look that stupid teaching imminency the way they do. So, oh yeah, somebody mentioned in the live chat too, it is well with my soul. Yeah, if you're if you're pre-trib, you should probably stop singing the last verse of it is well with my soul, where it says, and Lord haste the day when my faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend even so, it is well with my soul. You don't want to know when we see the heaven clouds roll back as a scroll. Revelation 6. After the sun is darkened, and I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black, a sackcloth of hair. The moon became as blood. The stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree cast their untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. That's an old hymn right there. That's an old hymn, and it's using language from Revelation 6 and the sixth seal when it's writing about the return of Christ. I think he got it right. I, I want all of you, if you're an honest pre-tribber, I want you to get up in your church, and I want to tell your church, we have to stop singing the last verse of It Is Well With My Soul. I know we all get excited singing about Jesus returning there, but this song is not biblical because it's putting the rapture at the sixth seal. I dare you to do that. Start being honest. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's in our hymn book that we don't sing. You know why? Because it's wrong. And so I've told our church, we're not going to sing this. Or we change the words. You you can't change the words in your King James Bible. You can change the words in your hymn book. And we do that quite a bit. Uh, There's a, a song that our family used to sing, and we still sing, but we change the words, is the song Jesus Saves. Uh, not the hymn Jesus Saves, but it's a different Jesus Saves but uh, on one of the verses, it says, and uh, the word says he's returning. Oh, and the, and the word says his returning could happen any day. So I'm going to shout it from the housetops, proclaim it from the mountaintops, that song. But what we did, we changed the words because the word does not say his returning could happen any day. It's not in there. So what we changed it to, the Lord said he's returning. He's coming back someday. And I believe that. I don't believe it can be any day. I have, certain things have to happen first. So anyway, with that, uh, we're going to close this out. But I appreciate you watching. And thank you for, you know, make sure you like, subscribe, do all that. The The channel's starting to get out there. We're getting close to hitting the first thousand subscribers. And, and so, again, we're going to do a special live stream um, celebrating a thousand subscribers once we hit that. I want you all to choose the subject matter. So leave a comment on something that you would like me to talk about. And we will do a special live stream just for that, celebrating 1,000 subscribers. So if you would do that for me, uh, I would appreciate it. I look forward to hearing your feedback. Thank you for joining me live. Again, the schedule anymore is not going to be as consistent as it has been. Uh, the It's going to be a little more random. There will be the occasional... Um, live stream like this that's going to be at random. 
My goal is to have at least, I'm going to try to have one guest a week and then also um, do one just strictly teaching uh, video, kind of more like this. Um, I, I want to do at least one of those. I'm going to continue doing the sermon every week, and then I'm going to continue playing some old stuff on Saturdays as long as I have old stuff to use. So um, we've got a lot of content on the channel now, and it's, it, it is starting to get out there, and we are firing up, stirring up the pre-tribbers so bad. I, I do. I, I feel like a fox in a hen house on Twitter right now, and I'm having way more fun than I should uh, seeing just the desperate circling of the wagons. And they do, man. They sound like chickens in there just going crazy, trying you know, somebody help us with this guy, you know, but they can't stop me. Truth is on my side. And so anyway, I appreciate you all uh, joining me today and we will see you all next time. Hopefully, hopefully tomorrow I'll release part two on the eminency subject. So God bless you. We'll see you all then.